Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Packers Unscripted from Packers.com. I am Mike Spofford, joined, as always, by my trusted colleague, Weston Hodkowitz. We're coming to you here from our studios at Lambeau Field, back from London, Wes, and unfortunately here to talk about a disappointing Packers loss, 27-22 to to the New York Giants at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. And, you know, I remember distinctly our first episode after the New England game. We spent quite a bit of time in that episode talking about how the Packers are, you know, their play, both sides of the ball, up and down, lots of wild swings, lots of inconsistency. The bottom line is that inconsistency caught up with them overseas, and it cost them a ball game that uh, that everybody knows they should have won. Yeah, I mean, that was the message afterwards. Kenny Clark talked about it. A lot of guys, you know, put that, that label on it. It was a bad loss. It was an emotional loss uh, for the Green Bay Packers, not because they had so many fans there or the fact that this was the international debut. It's how they controlled the tempo of the game especially in the first quarter, but even in the first half, when, when the Giants were being able to move the ball a little bit, it still felt like a game that if Green Bay limits the explosive plays and offensively protects the football, they were going to be able to get back to North America 4-1. and one. But we saw so many things work against them that have kind of been calling cards so far the third down defense kind of forsaking them a little bit. Green Bay starting 0 for 3, uh, forcing those, you know, forcing the Giants off the field on back-to-back drives to start the game to be able to get out to that lead. But then conversion after conversion, it didn't matter if it was third and short, it didn't matter if it was third and long, the Giants were making them pay. That that was the first sign for me that something was just amiss with the Packers defense in this game was the Giants' first touchdown drive of the game, they converted on both a third and 13 and a third and nine on that same drive and then eventually scored the touchdown that pulled them within 17-10. Then the Packers got a field goal right at the end of the half to, to get it to 20-10 at the intermission. But the Packers' defense has been so good on third down, had been so good on th- third down, and, and to see to see them give up seeming you know somewhat easily in a way although the second one the third and nine I give the Giants receiver credit he made a heck of a play with the with the hit he took and and the tackle attempt there by the Packers but to see the Packers give up a third and 13 and a third and nine on the same drive and the Giants score a touchdown 
I just started to wonder, hmm, what's uh, what's going on with the defense here in this ball game? And then, and and honestly, things just uh, things just did not get better for Green Bay's defense. To uh, but at the end of the day, to me, when you talk about the the ups and downs and and the wild swings in terms of the quality of play on both sides of the ball, we saw it against Tampa Bay, but the Packers stopped the two point conversion. We saw it against New England, but then. The, de- the defense, with the Packers losing in the fourth quarter to a rookie third-string quarterback, but the defense rises up and gets three consecutive three-and-outs, including overtime, and, uh, and the Packers' offense gets the tie and puts together the drive to win in overtime. It was the, the clutch moments, the crunch time moments, that the Packers made the plays in those games to win despite the inconsistencies. Those crunch time plays were missing for the Packers. They didn't make them. They didn't. They didn't make them inside the ten yard line on offense at the end. They didn't make them on defense when they had uh, when they had the chances to possibly hold the, the the Giants to field goals on those second half drives. If you don't make the plays at crunch time, you're not going to win in this league. That's just how it works. Yeah, that's why this game was so peculiar to me because. Early on, Green Bay was making those plays. And my thought process going in is, okay, if anything is going to happen here based on the track record and based on this weird trip that they're on, maybe it's a slow start. really wasn't a slow start. They were able to move the ball efficiently. Didn't have any huge explosive runs, but were able to build enough off of it early on. You were able to get the passing game going. The rhythm was there. I thought Alan Lazard was blocking well. They did the, the cool little... Uh, play action pass to Mercedes Lewis. They had some of the jet sweep motions going with uh, Christian Watson. And, and Randall Cobb was doing some really impressive things, again, on money downs. Yeah. In the second half, everything flipped, where it was now the Giants that were the ones converting. It was Saquon Barkley was the one hitting the explosives, the, the 40 yards off of the Wildcat, the 41-yard pass after he leaves the game momentarily with the shoulder. He re-enters, comes free in the secondary, and is able to break up a big gain on what ends up being the go-ahead scoring drive right. for New York. Right. And Green Bay just didn't have any answers. You look at the, the long, the sustainable drives that New York had, starting at their own nine, going 91 yards, 12-play series, 15-play series. Again, getting back to that, that handbook for defensive play, the reason you want to limit the explosive, in addition to the fact that it gets the opposition closer to the end zone, it's also about the more plays that a team has to run, the better possibility and probability you're going to have at a takeaway. Green Bay just wasn't able to get any takeaways in this again. They weren't able to, you know, keep them, you know, the, the, the penalties mounted up. There just were so many different small things that early on in that game, when they were getting some pressure on Daniel Jones, they were doing a good job against Saquon, that was allowing them to, to kind of control the tempo. Once they lost that, they just couldn't regain it. Hey guys, this is Matt Jones, Drew Franklin from the Fade This Podcast. We got a great episode coming up. Picks in all the sports, football, basketball, we do them all. But here's a preview of this week's episode. Do you think it's more embarrassing to dye your hair or to have hair plugs? I don't think either are embarrassing if you're not trying to conceal it and act like you didn't. Okay, so you think if you just come out and go, I got hair plugs... Yeah, like check out these hair. Pl- I mean, don't just walk around. Hey, tapping. You know, hey, hey, stranger. I don't want you thinking this is natural. You know, but I mean, <laughs> do you, you have to do that with everyone you meet? Some people try to act like they. Uh, you know what I mean? Yeah, but I mean, like, like John Cena got it. You know, when John Cena came back to wrestling, he had a bald spot, and now he doesn't. Mm-hmm. You think he should be required in all interviews to say, "Look, by the way, I covered up my bald spot." 
Yeah, I guess it's weird. I mean, you don't wear a sign or like put a sign in your yard, but all right. So what about toupees? Those are the most obvious. I but let's like. say you're like Bill Self and you can get it to where it looks good. His is magical. I don't even know if his is a toupee. It is. I think he went into the future and had a procedure we haven't even discovered yet. And this episode was brought to you in partnership with DraftKings. To hear more, listen and subscribe to Fade This on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to podcasts. Yeah, here's here's what I want to do. I want to turn the show in a little bit different direction from normal because there's so much out there about the you know the three passes for the three and out with the score twenty to twenty the the plays on the third and short and fourth and short inside the ten yard line all of that being discussed Matt Lafleur talked about all of that at length in his news conference you talked about it in inbox there I've got more in the inbox on Wednesday morning my story Monday night after Matt Lafleur's press conference has a lot of a lot of that stuff crystallized so here's what I want to ask you. It was 17 to 3 Packers, it was 20 to 10 Packers at halftime. What did you feel if you were to point to one thing because to me there were a lot of moments, but what did you feel was the turning point of For the me, game? For me, and I, I wrote about this in inbox and, and I think your point that you're going to make too is really good, but for me it was the Rashawn Gary sack. And it, it was first play of the second first half. First play of the second half. Right. Because my thought process there is okay, even if the offense is kind of stuttering, you know, struggling a little bit they're going to be able to find themselves. There's going to, I, I think they're going to be able to run a four minute offense if they maintain this lead. Gary gets an 11 yard sack and everything that the giants were doing up until that point was sort of out of the green Bay Packers playbook, manageable third downs, high percentage throws, being able to move the chains with your running back. And when they go back 11 yards on first down, in addition to the fact the emotional side of that, of Rashawn Gary being able to actually get his fifth straight sack in his fifth straight game of the season, it was going to be hard for Jones in that offense with the back to the wall, down three receivers, to be able to, I feel like, convert to get second and 21 to be third and manageable and to get the ball moving downfield. But the other reason I point to that play is there's a subjective element to defensive holding. Rasul Douglas was called for that on that play. Yeah. It gave them the automatic first down and, and wiped out the sack for Gary. And when I look at the defense, they kept the ball carry in front of them at times, but in terms of making a play, that was kind of the last one for Green Bay in this matchup. Yeah, I I don't I don't discount that one at all. I I do think that was a big play. At that time, you know, the Giants had, had driven for a touchdown, as we talked about, the third and 13, third and nine. They'd driven for a touchdown in the second quarter. But they only had 10 points on the board. And if they're starting out the second half, that opening possession of the second half in second and 21, instead of, uh, you know, getting bailed out by the defensive holding call, I do think that that could have changed things. For me, though, for me, though, the turning point was a little bit later than that. And it was after the Giants had taken that opening possession of the second half and gone down and kicked a field goal and it was 20 to 13 the Packers came back the other way they got inside the New York 40 yard line I believe they were on the 36 yard line and it was third and eight at right there you're looking at a 54 yard Mason Crosby field goal certainly the way he was kicking in that game I think that's a I think that's a reasonable one, and even if you can get any positive yards there, even if you don't convert the third and eight, make that a shorter field goal. Getting three points there, you reestablish the two score lead just like you did at the end of the first half. It's twenty three to thirteen. 
than with what was going wrong with the defense if the Giants go down and get a touchdown. The Packers are still winning. It's 23-20. to To me, the sack on third and eight on that opening Green Bay possession of the second half that took the Packers out of field goal range, that's the one that felt like the turning point for me because then suddenly this game that the Packers felt in control of and they were on the verge of reestablishing a two-score lead, then suddenly that doesn't happen. The Giants go the other way and score, and it's a tie game. Yep. And, and everything just felt so so different after that. So it's, it's just interesting. I think there, there, are, there are certainly many points, and, and that's not to discount what the Giants did at crunch time and what the Packers didn't do at crunch time right. because that's what, the, that's what this game came down to. But um, If I may, but, too. But, but there, were, there, were, there were just those moments where you, you, felt, you felt things turning, and to me that was the most important one. You thought it was the Gary play. I think that's a valid choice as well. But if I can add an amendment to yours, too, that I think factors into this, it's that not only if you get those three points there, how valuable could those three points be in a game like this? It's also the fact that Green Bay's special teams came through. They down the punt at the nine-yard line, and then the Giants come back with the 15 plays, 91 yards. Yeah. And after that, that's where it, it, they tie the game, and now it, you're starting to look in the mirror a little bit like, okay, not, it's not just close for comfort anymore. This legitimately is going to be a ball yeah. Game sudden, suddenly, it was any it was anybody's yeah. ball. It was anybody's ball game there, and the Giants had all the uh, had all the momentum on their side. Um, I'll take care of some sponsor business here, Wes, and then I want to ask you another question. Sirius XM NFL Radio delivers hard hitting analysis and up to the minute NFL news that true football fanatics need twenty four seven. 365. And at Cousin Subs, we have something for everyone, like our Wisconsin cheese curds, mac and cheese, golden fries, and creamy shakes, all paired with your favorite sub or sub in a bowl, Cousin Subs, 50 years of better. All right, my next question for you is, you have to, you have to learn something from losses. You have to, you have to use it, you have to use the negatives in, in some way, shape, or form to, uh, um, to get yourself back on track to get things headed back in the right direction. I'm not asking, you know, you and I are not X's and O's experts. We're not NFL football coaches. But I'm interested in your opinion. What do you think from this game, this London trip, the the, the tough loss, frustrating loss, what's the biggest lesson the Packers have to learn from this game? What do they have to take from it to move forward? It's an excellent question because I think there, there are a lot of answers to it, and I don't think any of them are necessarily wrong. I, I look at the offense. Um, it, just, it was so easy in that first quarter especially to see, again, the longest carry that the Packers had was 11 yards. It wasn't like they were just running up and down the field on the Giants, but there was that statistic afterwards about how neither Aaron Jones nor A.J. Dillon had been tackled within two yards of the line of scrimmage. They just consistently move the ball. What does that tell you? You're consistently ending up in those second and favorable, third and favorables, and ultimately converting. Green Bay just got away from that, and, and I totally get it. Matt LaFleur, for 26 minutes, did an exemplary job of explaining the, you know, basically the can plays, the run solutions, all that makes total sense. But we go back to it. Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon are your two top playmakers. Packers know this. The opponent knows this. And I was asked this question on the pregame radio show about what Dennis Krause asking about this version of the Packers. Can they, is this sustainable going back to last week? I said it probably isn't because teams are going to load the box. They are going to do things to take those running backs away. But as of right now, in week five and week six, 
that's the Packers as the crow flies, you know, solution, I feel like, to, to winning ball games. They weren't able to do it. And it isn't just about, hey, put the ball in their hands. It's that the Packers are really freaking good at it. Yeah. Mercedes Lewis had some exceptional blocks, especially on that last drive trying to get down to, to tie the game up. Right. Alan Lazard, for my money, Mike, is the best blocking receiver in this league. It's not just that, oh, we'll run the ball or whatever. No, Aaron Rodgers is great, too. But they are just they are built to do this in a way that any other Packer teams I've covered have not been built for. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you, and in, in that, I think what needs to be taken from this is that, and and I understand with regard to with regard to the running backs that you have your run alert, run alerts, your run solutions, whatever term you want to use, where Rogers you know spits the ball out horizontally, and and the that was extremely efficient as the Packers racked up 20 points in this game. Matt Lafleur is calling those plays, and those plays are you know, the, the first option, so to speak, is the handoff to run the ball. Things get changed, it goes somewhere else, and, and, and that's working. I think at the end of the day, I think, I think what the Packers need to take out of this, though, is, and this is the line I'm, that, I, that will be in Wednesday morning's Insider Inbox, I think they need to be both stubborn as well as creative in getting the ball to Jones and Dillon. If, if the run solutions take those opportunities away from them, so be it. But then you still need to find ways, and I don't care if you hand it off, I don't care if you pitch it, if you throw it, if you want to do push passes off of jet motion, whatever. I just I think those, as you said at the very beginning of your comment, Jones and Dylan are the Packers' two best playmakers on offense, and I think you have to, you have to be stubborn and creative in getting them in getting them the football because to run 60 plays and for those two guys to only touch the ball 19 times, that's not going to be a winning formula for the Green Bay Packers in the long haul. And, it, and I think everybody knows that. I think the coaches know it and the players know it. It's a game that got away from them that they shouldn't have lost. But I think that on the offensive side of the ball, to me, that's the lesson. In this and I'm game. not going to keep beating you know the, the horse here, but it goes back to that 25 touches thing we talked about and the fact that they are still undefeated in this regular season action with Aaron Rodgers when those two guys are able to go over that mark. I also just feel like whatever you have to do, and I think the stubborn word is perfect for it, A.J. Dillon can't just have six carries, especially when he produces the way he did, 34, 34 yards. I mean, he was productive in this game, and he only touched the ball six times. You have, to, you have to find ways to feed those horses. There's a lot of time left here. This offense is still finding itself. Christian Watson leaves with a hamstring. That required an adjustment. And I don't want to completely crap on the run solutions because you go back to the New England game, they partially won that game because of the run solutions, because of those quick flares out to Dobbs. They put up 20 points against the Giants in the first half in large part because yeah. of those run solutions. You, you, can't, you can't just say but, you have to stop doing that. that, that's, that that's my point is yeah. that you can't totally get away from that, but if, though, if those are taking opportunities away from 33 and 28, then you have to make sure opportunities for them are being built back in so that they are still a major part of what's going on. You have to make sure you're still making the same recipe. If, if the, the recipe calls for 12 cupcakes and you had to make some concessions, that's fine. But when Tommy <laughs> and Susie go back into the kitchen, they still want to have their 12 cupcakes. You have to find a way to make it work. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. 
From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real Steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. On the defensive side of the ball, what do you think here? This this was a uh, we've we've seen as we talked about. It was it was uh, it's been an up and down ride for the Packers defense. They, you know, they were great for a long stretch against Chicago. Then two drives get away from them. They were great almost the entire game. Fifty eight minutes against Tom Brady and the Buccaneers. Then Brady did what he did. You know, does what he does to almost anybody in a, in a two minute drive. The defense was very, very solid for what nine, really for nine out of eleven possessions against yeah. against New England. So, I don't want I I don't want to completely dump on the defense, but but to suddenly see this defense give up five consecutive scoring drives, twenty seven points, without being able to get off the field on third down, force a punt, do something to change the momentum. What does the defense have to take away from this performance as it moves forward? Well, one. You know what, I'm going to use this as two because I, w- I think you're going to want to talk about it, so I'll bring it up secondly. First, and I don't know what the answer is, Mike, because I am, again, not an X's and O's guy, but the crossers have become an issue. The, the production in the middle of the field has become an issue. No question. Now, I can't sit here and tell you, oh, you know, the, the nickel corner needs to be doing this, the, the, the free safety needs to be pulling up. I don't know all that stuff. The, right. the mixing and matching of, you know, quarters coverage and, and you know, man, all these different things that you can do. But I think everybody agrees, and the stats are incredible when you look at them. The fact that the Packers do have the number two ranked pass defense in the National Football League, but there's this amount of air traffic in the middle of the field that they're giving up yards on. The, the second part that, I, that I'm guessing you're going to want to branch off to because you wrote a nice story about it is the fact that whether it's the communication, whether it's the sense of urgency, whatever it is, this defense getting set up, looking confident, and also executing. That's the one thing these last two games. And maybe I'm just, you know, identifying it more because it's been a topic of conversation, but you, you see a lot of sna- like pre-snap communication seconds before the ball is snapped where guys are trying to, to talk to each other. It doesn't look like a unit right now that is, I don't want to say confident, but there looks to be some uncertainty there that yeah. you have to get figured out. Yeah, I, I, th- I thought it was really interesting because w- with what LaFleur said, essentially what he opened his 26-minute media session on Monday with regard to talking about the defense because there are all the, there's all these things floating, floating around out there about, well, do they need to play more man versus zone or, or you know, what about, the, what about blitzes or you know, playing more aggressively and this and that. And, and I think there are, there's certainly a, a time for those discussions. But it was very interesting to me that, that what the head coach pointed to immediately after watching the film of the defense was seeing guys not in position quickly and efficiently prior to the snap to where then they can, they can, look, for, they can look for the tells, they can you know, diagnose the formation, reflect on their film study, to potentially know what's coming and and be able to re I mean you know how this league works I mean if you're a half step slow in your reaction that can be the difference between yep. a third down stop and a first down or god forbid a touchdown right, right? so the fact that LaFleur pointed to that I thought I I thought was very was very interesting because to me that's a that's an easily fixable issue if 
getting, you know, getting the call communicated. And, and, and he said it's on the call getting in as well as the players then after the call is communicated to get out there to get to their spots because if they are if they are at their spots and everybody's on their toes, then if you do have to make a last second adjustment before the snap, it becomes a lot easier, yeah. right? Because everybody's in tune, everybody's all set and ready to go, and then a switch like that isn't isn't quite as difficult or taxing to process. So, I thought that was interesting, and I'll be I'll be very interested to watch now that we will be um, back up, uh, you know, from the the high perch at Lambeau Field for this next game to see what the defense looks like now that LaFleur has made this point, to see what it looks like coming out of the huddle, how do they get to their spots, and what is and what is happening pre-snap. I think that's definitely going to be a story with this defense because we know the personnel is there. By, by, by and large, it's not like you take the whole scheme and throw it out because you had one game. This is the same scheme that completely shut down the San Francisco 49ers in, yeah. you know, with the season on the line in a playoff game last January. It's not that you, you, don't, you don't take everything and throw it away. But there are, things that need to, there are things that need to be addressed and things that need to be fixed, and, I, and I'm curious to see how they, how they respond after hearing what Matt LaFleur had to say about it. Yeah, and we'll talk about the Jets later this week, but, I mean, the, the game is going to be very similar, I think, in a lot of ways with what they're going to see with the Jets, too. I mean, Zach Wilson is not throwing the ball all over the yard right now. When they've been on this two-game winning streak, it's been, for the most part, protecting it and being efficient and letting Bryce Hall create. Um, some incredible opportunities, 179 total yards last week, 79-yard touchdown catch, you know, catch and run. Well, and, and, and good luck figuring out who exactly the Jets are going to throw the ball to. They've got six guys, six different guys with 16 or more receptions yeah. through the first five games of the season. They spread the ball all over the place Yeah, so in I the mean, like game. The, the challenge is, is still going to be the challenge here. I just feel like something's going to turn. You need it to turn fast, but – this Packers defense is better than a unit that just has one pick. They're, they're, they're better than the unit that showed on the field on Sunday. Um, and, and I feel like whether it's Kenny Clark, whether it's Rashawn Gary, um, you know, Jair Alexander, the, the amount of Pro Bowl and All-Pro talent that they have littered throughout this defense, that will still reveal itself, I feel like. It's just the fact that the, the unit that looked dominant, and not just against the Packers defense or Packers offense. They did this against the Saints. They had stretches like this against the Chicago Bears. The unit that looks like they can get off the field every single time they step foot on it, that unit needs to kind of think, get some of its swagger back. Yeah, I, th- I think so too. Um, before we go, just want to lay out the picture of where things stand in the NFC North in particular, that big game, Minnesota and Chicago. The uh, Vikings blew a big lead, but then pulled it out at the end. So Minnesota is atop the NFC North at 4-1. Packers right behind them at three and two. Chicago now two and three. And Detroit, heading into the week, the Lions were the number one scoring offense in the NFL, and they went to New England and got blanked twenty nine to nothing by the Patriots. So once again, I'm not, just not really sure what to, not really sure what to think about the Lions. The Bears have to be frustrated coming back the way they did. They got yeah. the lead in Minnesota, then they let it get away, and then they had a turnover right I mean, at the end of the game when they were, when they were trying to rally again to, uh, um, to tie that thing up late, and, uh, and the turnover bit them. So um, long way to go here, obviously, in the NFC North, but the Packers uh, a game behind 
the Vikings, and and obviously the difference right now is is that Week One victory by Minnesota at U.S. Bank. For sure. In in the other hallmark of them right now, you know, with Kevin O'Connell, I mean, they're winning close games. They're winning games that you know teams they should beat now, like the Bears. But the, even if it doesn't go according to plan, they still have showed the resolve and the ability to overcome adversity to they're, to get to where they're, they're having going. the they're having the same discussions that uh, that. Packers fans and and we've had with regard to the Packers over the last couple of years when when you're winning games kind of ugly right I yeah. mean that 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 Minnesota win they had over Detroit when they were basically losing the whole game and then they pulled it out at the end not a pretty victory but guess what a victory is a victory and uh, and you can't take anything away it, from the Vikings being four and one right now and I love that you said that because it leads me into my perfect transition into the Detroit Lions because not only are the Lions now one and four after you know the Belichick tree. And Matt Patricia, everyone, they just put on a master class in coaching. They took away Amon Ra St. Brown. I understand Amon Ra was injured a little bit coming out of the last, you know, missed a game. But they were physical with TJ Hawkinson. They shut them out. They played the way you expect them to play defensively when you have, you know, a rookie fourth-round pick that's having to step up as your quarterback. But then you look at the Lions, they have to think about this now for two weeks. And, yeah, they'll probably give them a chance to get DeAndre Swift back and maybe get a little healthier here. But they have to kind of stew on it, and they get out of the bye, and here's what they got to face, Mike. You get Dallas. You get Miami. You get the Green Bay Packers. You get the Bears in Chicago, and then you got to go to New York to face the Giants, who are suddenly a four-win team. Right. It's a gauntlet, man. Yeah. And, it, again, it goes back to show you, and it's why I won't apologize for the Packers being 3-2. and two. No, it hasn't been the first prettiest five games of the season for Green Bay, but it's not easy to win in this league, and there are teams – Every single year that play as a unit, like the Giants did on Sunday, are not the most talented, but lean into their skill position players and guys play complementary football. That's how you win. Yeah, right now in the NFC, you've got the Philadelphia Eagles at 5-0, and Dallas and the Giants both 4-1. and the NFC, the NFC East is suddenly the... Uh, um, Suddenly, the division to beat with uh, with those top three teams being a combined thirteen and two. I don't think anybody would have predicted that after the first five weeks of the season. But there's your five and zero, oh, two four and ones, Minnesota four and one, and then you have the Packers and others at uh, at, at three and two. Um, it's uh, there's there's a long way to go here, and it's it's interesting because you you just rattle off some things with regard to Detroit's schedule. You look at it, you look at every team's schedule, and it, and it's like. Where, you know, where 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 can you look at where can you look at things and go? Oh yeah, you ought to be able to win. You know, three or four in a row right yeah. there. Not not in 2022 in the NFL, man. That's just that's just not how this goes. You've got to well, you've got to you've got to strap it on, buckle up every single week, and then uh, and and take your chances. And and if you don't play dynamite football for four quarters then make the plays in the fourth quarter, and maybe you're going to come out with a win. That's what this season has been so far. No doubt. And it's funny, this is the year that, of course, the North ends up rotating here against the NFC East. So it just shows you. <laughs> you're never quite sure. Everyone at the beginning of the year, those schedules come out. It's like, okay, well, the Packers get you know four wins there, you know, five or six wins in the division. Hey, they're 13-4. You just you never can be too quite sure. Yeah. Unless, of course, maybe you're facing Carolina. <laughs> yeah. Looking for a new uh... – head coach for 2023. But with that, we'll call it a wrap on this edition of Packers Unscripted. Be sure to follow all of our coverage of the team all the time. We've got it all for you on Packers.com. For Wes, I'm Mike. Thank you for tuning in, everybody. We'll see you next time.
Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah! And some waves, so we could go surfing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I love that! A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in! Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it! Um, can a girl go shopping? Yeah, baby! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear, affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count.